Welcome back, everybody, to another Rambling About Rivers podcast with myself, Dan. And Jane. We're we're going to be joined by John Bryden from Thames 21. Uh, Thames 21 is one of the local Rivers Trusts uh, in the London area. Yeah, and they've been they've been putting together some really exciting urban wetlands kind of would you say leading the way on in urban wetlands yeah i guess so definitely yeah yeah and uh and we'll hopefully follow this podcast up this is going to be part one we're going to do another part with talking about you know some of the local community that are benefiting from these wetlands but let's jump right into it Today, myself and Jane are joined by John from Thames 21. It's great to be able to get you on and uh, talk about uh, some urban wetlands in around London. Well, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. So, so you guys have created quite a few wetlands now in and around Greater London. So how many have you created now? I think we've done about nine or ten of the well nine of these con, sort of constructed wetlands as such um over about um seven years starting from like quite small and experimental to um some much bigger ones to this last one last year so do you want to tell us a little bit more about the one you did last year yeah so it's called uh, broomfield park um it's uh, in enfield um which is sort of like a northern london borough um it's part of the pims brook catchment um which is uh it, it could be a nice little river, but um, it's, it's got quite a few problems from, you know, a whole variety of things from, you know, misconnections and road runoff and CSOs. So, yeah, we installed a wetland there. Previously, there was a probably a whole like fish pond section um, going through the parts, which uh, now have become quite a nice amenity feature. Um, so there probably was a water course at one stage, but um, now they've broken down into um, just ornamental ponds. And so we decided to break out the, the surface water pipe or the lost river and um, open it up into a wetland in partnership with the, the friends there and you know Enfield Council played a massive role they 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 did all the design works and the the um, implementation so we couldn't have done it without them and you've got quite a strong friends of group there haven't you so how many are in that group and how how are they getting involved so yeah, the the friends at Broomfield Park are a great group. They they do a huge amount of work from you know their own wildlife gardening to creating their own ponds. And um, when we originally thought about the um, the works, we we went around the park um, with the friends of group, and they'd already built a small little pond in one area of the park, um, sort of a wildlife pond. And we walked around the outside with them and where we were thinking about putting the wetland, um, we finally got to that point and they told us um, that they were originally thinking of putting a pond there. And so our, our views very much combined together. And um, yeah, then we had to get the battle through planning permission. But yeah, the friends were really brilliant and supportive of it. We, we had over, I think, uh, 60 people write in to support the planning application. So it was a fantastic result from their perspective as well i've seen both sides of this park so i saw it before you put the wetland in and also after i was very lucky to go and see it after as well um and so just explain what it was like before because it was like just a it was just 
huge area of grass basically wasn't it it was um it's on quite a hill and um there was you know at the bottom end of that hill it flattens out into a little um bit of grass and really it was just um just amenity grassland um, which was cut every six to eight weeks in the summer and um so we managed to dig that out and um you know use the spoil redistributed the spoil around the bottom end of it to create a bit of a flood bund and to protect some downstream properties and um, then planted it all up with with the community group um, to to you know create this little wetland and there's a little path through it and little stepping stones through one bit of the wetland which uh, the council designed and delivered um, so you can get quite a good access around it and it's a great place for kids and you know various um, people to to come and enjoy amazing so when was this um constructed last, last summer it was finally constructed and we sort of planted it up towards oh. the uh, the back end of the summer if i remember correctly oh nice so is it all kind of greened over now and yeah yeah we i've seen some photos recently i haven't quite got out there yet um in the last three or four months but um yeah we've we're seeing all the reeds established and uh, there's a few flowering plants in there so it's looking great Oh, we, we did even have a few artists come down and, um, you know, paint the pictures of the weapons, which was we didn't even realise was happening. So it was great to receive those pictures. Oh, I'd love to see those. It's, it's always a bit scary, isn't it, when you um, implement these things and it can kind of look uh, kind of bare and a bit scary when it first goes in. And you're like, is this ever going to green over? And is this ever going to look natural yeah. again? Um, but how quickly does it recover? And how quickly does it green over? Well, we, it depends on the time of planting, but we always try to use um, pre-planted coir mats because um, they've got a really great root ball. And um, so we, we use those and then they really do establish quite quickly. Um, and those, those reeds have grown up massively in there. They haven't quite spread out to the rest of the wetland yet, but in time they'll do that. And um, so within, hopefully, definitely by next summer, it will be um you know covered in reeds and various flowering plants as well yeah cool and i mean over the last over the last couple of podcasts we've actually talked about the value of blue and green spaces around mental health etc how amazing is this as a amenity you know especially over the last few months and through the pandemic what amazing asset to have for that local community yeah i mean it is we do get lots of messages um about this about this wetland um from local community groups about it and also the previous wetlands that we that we've delivered and um and it's amazing how much they value it and you know also you know from, from my personal perspective just during this time actually getting out and seeing your local river um just is an amazing an amazing um opportunity in that and the the artist i mentioned earlier he was at, he's actually um has autism and he um wrote into us and said that how much he values it and is you know goes there every day as part of his um you know his work and um you know paints it draws it and i think he writes music as well so it hopefully takes some inspiration into that so and that's something we could have never expected when developing this so it's always amazing to hear and i'm always surprised by you know sort of some of the messages we get from community groups on you know these wetlands so so yeah it really is um you know amazing to be part of it and you know quite that feedback you know you just can't beat 
yeah because it it must be such a risk to, to the community must be quite concerned like they, some of them might not have the vision that that you have about what it could look like and um so I guess it must be so rewarding to hear that they actually like it after everything that you've done to put it in place yeah yeah we're quite lucky now that we've delivered um around about you know, eight, nine, ten of these. And so what we often do when um, when we're looking to build them or looking at engaging the communities is not just, um, you know, talk to the communities about it, but actually take them to other sites and try and get them to, you know, see those other sites and then they can sort of imagine how these wetlands could work in their space. Um, the council have got a great landscape architect to just does some great drawings but um, sort of we feel you know through that sort of process and you know through letting the community tell us their stories of their space that you know we can you know listen to that and build that into the design process. Yeah so how, how important do you think wetlands are for sort of urban areas? For urban areas, I think, you know, that mental and, you know, physical well-being and there is, there's, from my own personal perspective, I think there's something about water, which just living near it and, you know, how it, you know, is, the, you know, gives life to, you know, us and wildlife. Um, and I think as some, as, as a result of that, we're somehow always connected to that and so to have that in a, green space or a blue space is obviously you know, hugely important from that perspective. But from a river perspective and from a wildlife perspective, our, our urban catchments have, you know, been drained, they've been piped, they've been, you know, broken down, they've been concreted over. And um, as a result of that, you know, the water's channeled to our rivers. That water obviously goes to it a lot faster, creates a lot more flooding. Um, it then doesn't percolate into the aquifer, be that like a, you know, a proper chalk stream aquifer or, a, you know, a, like a gravel clay aquifer. And there, so, so the flows of the rivers change. And also, you know, that those pipes, they, they don't process any of the pollutants. So the water, when the pollutants does get into the water, whether that is from, you know, people's plumbing or whether that's from runoff from the roads, then it's just directed straight to the river. And, you know, that then can massively damage our rivers and massively does damage our rivers. So then to introduce a wetland wherever we can um, gives that water a chance to, you know, settle out any sediment and, you know, to the plants can then break that down. And, um, you know, the algae which grows on the plants can, you know, process the, the phosphates or the nitrates or even the heavy metals in the pollutants so that it's removed from the water column it allows those wetlands allow the water to you know seep into the groundwater slowly um, and and then you know in times of flood they they can store that excess water so they can protect our properties down downstream as well so so we do see it as like a really multifunctional thing we might deliver a wetland for say flood risk or water quality uh, might be the main funding reason but in actual fact we value each and every one of those ecological processes and also that human interaction with with those wetlands yeah so picking up on that point is the main so you say you've done what 10 is yeah, that right yeah in around yeah so what's been the main kind of driver for those you know 
in terms of funding? So, so this the Broomfield Park one was um, mainly from water quality perspective, but others have been mainly sort of flood risk funding. Um, so, you know, flood risk, there's more money in flood risk than pretty much most other environmental um, or certainly ecological um, funding streams. So, you know, flood risk is a huge driver. Um, so we definitely got to work with that. Um, but yeah, then, you know, what we've sort of some of the bigger ones, which we've been involved with, um, first farm springs to mind, um, that was 1.2 million. And, you know, I think we've got about 45 grand for, for water quality improvements from that one. Um, but there was, you know, a hell of a lot from, you know, flood risk, which the Enfield council and the environment agency put in. Um, but then also, you know, there was funding from cycleways and, you know, for, you know, educational spaces within those wetlands. So, so yeah, it's, it's usually a mishmash of funding opportunities, unfortunately, um, and see what you can get hold of. So, I mean, do, do you think at some point, because you've obviously seen such huge benefit from uh, these uh, wetlands, do you think there's any opportunity to actually integrate a bit more with kind of urban planning and local councils a bit more kind of formally and actually design trying to get these on the agenda and actually get designed into urban landscapes yeah well that that's what we're looking at doing now so um we we undertook a bit of work with um what we called a community modeling project um where we worked with um, a community group who um, then formed into their own friends of groups and they're called uh, Pimsbrookers and uh, the Chingbrook Action Group and with them we identified the potential for over 30 wetlands through three quite small catchments the Pims, Salmons and Chingbrook catchments and we identified that the water you know with um, with if we did all of those the water quality in each of those rivers would you know turn to good status which for um, these little urban rivers is it would be an amazing achievement. And so now we, we did that work about two years ago or three years ago, and the, the community groups are still active and involved. And we are going through a strategy where we can start to look at how we can deliver each one of those wetlands. And part of that is it trying to integrate it into the planning system. And we're, we're doing some work with Imperial University and uh, there's a programme called Camellia, which stands for Community Water Management for a Livable London. And with that, we're looking at working with uh, the planning authorities to sort of see how we can build green infrastructure and fund green infrastructure through the planning um, processes of you know the potentially hundreds of thousands of new homes which are built um, in and around this this bit of London. So you mentioned this um, Furs Farm and the sort of health and well-being um, elements to that. Is so just jumping back to that section. Um, what what is what is what is first farm and where where's that what what's the relevance yeah of first farm is a is a probably the biggest wetland which um of this sort of type that has been delivered as far as i understand um certainly by far the biggest one we've been involved with um and you know this was you know with enfield council again 
and you know it so it drains something like 300 hectares of of land um, of urban area and um it was a you know it was basically um about 19 football pitches and a, and a rugby pitch um and you know so it's a big park um but it, it wasn't really used apart from on you know saturdays for a football match or two um, and you know the communities around there you know didn't really know each other and it was almost on the fringe of you know a relatively wealthy community in Winchmore Hill and um you know a relatively you know deprived community sort of um from you know Edmonton and Silver Street and you know so so Enfield's like divided into you know various sections and you know there's a main road the A10 which sort of separated these areas and um as part of that project um about a two hectare wetland was built and about 400 meters of um, river or lost river, um, what we're now calling the Moor Brook, was deculverted. Um, and um, there was, you know, all cycle paths put around it and, you know, access and, you know, you know, like education facilities were put there. So, you know, open air education facilities. Um, and, you know, it's gone from almost being a, very poorly used um, green space to being, which is almost like, like the a focal point of community life. And wow. sort of when, when we speak to the community groups there, they tell us how, you know, they they didn't really know each other. And nowadays, you know, everyone sort of feels like that they've actually go to the park and it's actually acted as a cohesion place for them um, to come together and get to know each other. And, you know, when, you know, after it was, you know, being built, um, a number of trees were planted there and the Friends of group went, you know, and it was a really hot summer. So this was probably about three or four years ago. And the, the, the friends went there and they, you know, watered each one of the trees. They had an adopter tree strategy. Um, they, they run sort of weekly um, volunteering events. So they're one of our, what we call river action groups. And um, so we provide them insurance to undertake that work um and you know that they've been you know absolutely amazing and to the point now where they're looking to raise funds to um to build their own sort of cafe and uh, dementia center um to to support you know you know local sufferers of dementia and you know to actually act as a another place for the community to get around amazing is, is that right is is there a festival there as well yeah yes yeah. So they've um they've run a number of festivals um which you know i'm not sure it'll go ahead this year unfortunately but um yeah they've had over a thousand people down on the park in a singular day with loads of different stalls and um, we've run a little bit of education work there as well with that um so yeah there's a wide range of um activities which they which they do from you know managing the wetlands and managing a little coppice woodland in there um and now to to the point where they're looking for this um building their own cafe which you know when you set out on these things you, you never sort of imagine where they will go and i always find that the community groups will come up with sort of stunning ideas and you know i think it's really our job and you know that of you know any partner organization or anyone looking to do these sorts of works to to listen to them and sort of see how 
you know, we can sort of integrate ideas into the design process. And I mean, really, I think Enfield Council have been um, a fantastic partner and, you know, in that and, you know, really their sort of leadership in, you know, enabling and integrating, you know, communities, thoughts and, you know, ideas into any designs um, is, you know, just unbelievable. Oh, it sounds amazing. It sounds like so many, you know, added benefit to all of these schemes and just how it's, you know, come from a wetland and it's it's just way, way bigger than this. Um, so that's amazing. But knowing kind of urban spaces and the challenges there, what I just can't imagine the challenges of actually getting some of these schemes off the ground. Do you want to talk a little about some of those challenges? I mean, I have to, going back to Broomfield, we did have some huge challenges um, with planning on that one because um, the the site was a listed parks and gardens. And um, as a result, the sort of, there were some heritage concerns around there. And I think whenever you're developing and, you know, delivering these sorts of wetlands, you've always should count for at least one unexpected problem. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think you know it's, it shouldn't be, we shouldn't use that to discourage us um we need to take the the risks essentially because um the rewards are so great i think some you know sometimes they're perceived barriers and actually nobody's ever gone and actually tried and do them and actually they may they may might literally just be a perceived barrier and actually when we get down to it we can figure it out and make it work I mean, it's it's not rocket science, I'll tell you that. And um, I think it's being prepared to take a risk and not being worried about failure. Um, and that's how we can deliver good stuff. I mean, I was talking to a, a chap who used to work for the Environment Agency maybe 20 or 30 years ago. And he said, oh, yeah, we, we looked at doing wetlands back then and we didn't do them because we thought it was too complicated. And it is... There are complexities to it, but um, I think you've just got to be brave enough to go with it. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think, you know, the, the benefit of having the Rivers Trust there is that I don't want to say less risk of it, but we're more open to tackling risk, aren't we, than other organisations. Yeah. And I think also, so we've, we at Thames 21 as a Rivers Trust definitely take that attitude. And, you know, we've been really lucky to find... Um, a great partner in Enfield Council um, who's also been prepared to take that risk. And now I think what that's sort of starting to enable people to, to do and see is, you know, that, you know, these things can be done. And um, we've got a number of other councils um, who we're looking to work with, um, you know, particularly um, Hackney, Haringey and Waltham Forest, who are, who are also keen to be, delivering these sorts of wetlands and um, I hope over the next two or three years we can deliver at least another four or five wetlands with those and I think it is that you know that just that mindset of we can do this and we we will make it work um, which which can which can help it. And you've got like a fantastic couple of examples now where you can actually take them and show them how it has worked and how and you know, they're, they're quite physical, visual examples, I guess. Are you taking them round to see them or? 
Yeah, I mean, that's what we always do. We always take, we always try if we're looking at a new site and, you know, the, the local community isn't aware of um, the other sites, we'll always try to take them out to their, you know, a number of the nearest sites. And what we'd also try and do is, because obviously we are, we are biased. <laughs> we, we do believe these things are great and these work, but we always try to, you know, get that, that local community to actually speak to the people who've, had it done in their parks and you know really you know enabling that conversation between them is you know I think you know actually you know get other people to tell them their experiences as opposed to just us telling them our thoughts and you know that sort of um, engagement you know I think you know wins a lot of trust and can come overcome a lot of barriers. So obviously you've done a lot of these wetlands and across the country um, you know, a lot of water companies are getting interested in wetlands for treatment solutions. Do, do you think there is a, a role for water companies here, especially in urban areas? Yeah, definitely. I think um, the benefits of um, these wetlands are huge. And, you know, I think they can provide direct benefits to um, water companies, be that urban or rural ones. Um, and so, so yeah, we hope that sort of Thames Water will be sort of integrating these these, the analysis at least and hopefully delivering these sorts of systems um, in um, in our urban areas and I think also in rural areas as well and you know you look at the Norfolk Rivers Trust um, example of Inscot Wetland which is you know absolutely phenomenal it's the same system just applied in a different way um, and the huge benefits that that delivers for for the hopefully the water company but also for the river and the wildlife and the local communities around that river is it's just phenomenal the the obvious last question which is do you have a favorite river john yeah 100 percent. i have um, quite a few favorite rivers as such i i grew up in brighton um and so you know as a kid i used to mess around in both the river ooze down there and also um, I spent a lot of time as a child around Cookmere Haven, and so those always I've got like a nostalgic value, nostalgic, you know, thoughts and of my childhood growing up around those rivers. So I'll always um, hark back to them. I think also, you know, from um, you know my early career at the Environment Agency, you know, the lower half of the Mimram, which is a beautiful chalk stream, um, is also a favorite and um the unfortunately top half is quite you know can be quite damaged by you know both um sort of some farming practices and also um particularly by abstraction um there's a few weirs up there which probably need to be taken out um but um in addition to that you know the river y you know i don't think you can beat a better river for like a little holiday and a canoe trip um probably controversial with fishermen but um yeah that was a personal favorite Great. Lovely. Lots of, lots of favourites. I'm not sure you're allowed more than one, but that's fine. <laughs> we'll let you off. <laughs> Whoa, that was inspiring, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. It was really, I'll tell you what I thought, the collaborative approach to creating these urban wetlands is is amazing and you know involving the community in every step the council being so supportive i think it's 
all fundamental elements to making it happen and making it work. And Rivers Trusts are really great at doing that. And I am biased. I realise that. No, no, I think we are. (laughs) Absolutely. No, it's great. And uh, that was, yeah, I just find it pretty inspiring, you know. Obviously, there is some pretty big challenges working in urban areas, particularly London. Uh, So... Fair yeah, play. Can't, can't imagine what that's like. But I'm really excited. I tell you what, I'm really excited about the next part of this podcast and talking to the community and um, about how they actually how it actually makes them feel and and what their expectations were versus what their what, what the reality is and how much their sort of local area has been enhanced by these amazing wild kind of little pockets that have been yeah, created. Definitely, and that's always you know bringing it back to that is is really important it's pretty excited to hear their opinions and thoughts today's podcast has been supported by the coca-cola replenish project yeah all right so hopefully join you uh, join us next time for part two stay safe catch you next time peace out